welcome to episode number two of Pocketful of Why podcast. I'm Charlotte and I think life is not worth living without vegan mayonnaise. My pronouns are she, her. I'm Hannah, I still don't know how to swim and my pronouns are she, they. We met at college just about a decade ago and have shared a bunch of joy, disaster, boredom and nonsense since. We live in Merseyside in the UK with Ian and Ash, our respective partners. There's a lot we have in common and a lot that we don't. This podcast is about us exploring the lessons we've learned throughout our lives. But in particular, the ups and downs of being in your 20s. In this episode, we'll be chatting about our experiences with self-care. We'll cover days off, friendships, hobbies, pets, and the power of nature. With a little disclaimer that I talk about my experiences with anxiety and depression. If you need any more information or support, we'll include some links in our show notes. On with the show! Okay, Hannah, so I wanted to ask you, how do you practice self-care? For me, that's kind of a huge question that I could talk for hours on. Mm -hmm. Um, So self-care was a a habit that I had to really focus on getting into. Oh, okay. Um, I had to learn how to look after myself. And, like, self-care is a very, like, buzzwordy word Mm -hmm. that can mean, like, you know, face masks and folding laundry and stuff. Um, for me, it comes down to just like being responsible for my well-being as an adult, and it's not something that came naturally to me. It's not something that anyone else kind of really taught me how to do. Yeah. So yeah, and then there's the other side of it, which is like yeah, when I have a day off and it's just been payday, I do have that like aesthetic Instagram self-care vibe yeah, as well. Of course. How do you feel about it? Well, see, I find it quite interesting that you're saying that you had to kind of learn to do it. I don't know if it's just my own belief that I'm a very lazy person, but I instinctually make that time for myself where I need to like re-energize, have time away from lots of different people and just be a recluse, watch TV in bed. And it's more about not doing anything, Mm. but I've always found that really quite easy. Maybe because I was an only child, I always had time to myself. I always find that time quite easily. Well, I think as well like at least my image of you is that you're really good at like adulting if you like (laughs) oh wow that's so untrue (laughs) well like when we lived together it was you and I don't mean to paint like a nasty picture of you here at all but like it was you who was like come on guys there's like crumbs all over the kitchen um let's tidy up right I love how you think a nasty picture of me is asking you to tidy the house <laughs> that we shared well, like, back that then, is I hilarious I know you did no, no, no. Um. <laughs> okay fair in terms of self-care like having a nice space because mm-hmm. that I, is looking after yourself as well I remember like my mum being like you never play in your room it's always immaculate even <laughs> as a child I had a really tidy room um and like obviously was helped to tidy it up too and in university I had a big thing about you know have a tidy room clear mind Your tidy room, room. Gorgeous through uni. yeah I feel so much calmer and happier when the house is in order so in that mm. sense I guess I am quite good at that style of self-care like I yeah. always make my bed in the morning that's so cute and it makes me so happy to go back to a well-made yeah. bed and I always like oh it's a treat for me I think maybe like yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that you're saying. Like, mm-hmm. a clean, nice house yeah. makes, I think, everybody feel calmer. Yes, definitely. I think maybe it's something that you never had trouble prioritising. 
Yeah. Maybe. Whereas for me, it always felt like this like huge thing weighing over me. In terms of like the the self care element of it, there's like a lot of like guilt attached to it. Like I always have better things to do, or okay. more important things to do. So like yeah, for example, like having a shower or making sure I'm eating properly mm-hmm. used to come further down the list of like, you know, the bathroom's clean. I'd feel like I couldn't justify taking some time for my mental health yeah. or like looking after myself because I had other stuff to do and that needed to be done first. So you were like prioritising like cleaning the house over looking after yourself? I Well, yeah, it was in the list of priorities. It doesn't mean it got done. <laughs> <laughs> if we all had a clear schedule for two weeks, there would be things that happened that you know we, we rarely ever do. Like a deep clean, a spring clean, a chuck out mm-hmm. is so cathartic, but Definitely. you rarely have time for yeah, it kind yeah, of yeah. thing. So how did you go from not prioritising it to bringing in self-care in, like, your household then? Oh, gosh. Um, basically just misery. Um, oh! <laughs> um, and I, I find it really easy to talk about now. Like, feeling out of control generally in my life, and then you come home after a day of work where you've not been in control of anything, and the house is a mess, and you feel exhausted. And it's, a, it's totally a spiral, you know, because yeah. obviously in that situation, I'm not going to be jumping on getting my house in order to mm-hmm. gain some control. But then once you kind of realise, like, it, I think little stuff like starting the day by making your bed, mm-hmm. it shows you that it does really help your general mental health, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, like, five-minute rule? Is oh, where no. I started with it a lot. What's that? So it's like, if it takes less than five minutes, just do it now. And it then once you've hard. got the ball rolling on it, you get the satisfaction loop, you know? Yeah. Um, I totally get that once you're out the habit, it's really hard to yeah. to start. Like, so I, th- this comes with a disclaimer, I've just said how great I am, always in a tidy <laughs> house. But when... Whenever I, I see it, it is. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I was like a teenager, my room was atrocious. Okay. And it... I just didn't see any point to me tidying it because it was always atrocious. Yeah. But once I had a new space, like halls, mm-hmm. I kept it nice from the start. I find that so much easier because once it's gone... It's so hard to claw it back. Maybe I'm a bit of a control freak with it and that I know that once I let it all go, I'm like, oh, well, it's always like this, so what's the point? Yeah. And it can be hard to then be like, okay, how do I... Because you never get taught this. Right. Like Marie Kondo. Oh. Thank you, Everyone, Thank you so much, for bringing Marie Kondo into our lives because yeah. I was watching it and it completely changed my life. Mm-hmm. Don't know about I know you came to her a little bit earlier than me. Yeah, I read her book. Yeah, same. Oh out. no, yeah. I watched the show and then was like, this person has some incredible ideas. Beautiful. And I realised that no one had ever taught me how to keep a house. No one had ever said like figure it out for yourself. Yeah, yes. you don't know that there's a system. Like, why is this not something we're doing in school? Mm-hmm. Why are we not saying these are some practices that you can employ when you go and be an adult? And I do think that that's a big problem with like mm-hmm. looking after the house. Like I don't know how to do anything. Mm-hmm. I have to look up everything on the internet on yeah. how to do it, like how to get staying out. No idea. I just like pour things on it until <laughs> I give up. <laughs> So it's really sad to hear how unhappy you were at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the word self-care can mean so many different things to so many different people. Yeah. So was it self-care that got you out of that? 
back when it was something that I first reached out for help for, which took me a really long time because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't realise that it was something that could be helped. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, I had some like therapy, some CBT, and I had some medication as well. And those things certainly did like start that journey off for me really well. Mm-hmm. But I think the stuff that got me feeling the most like myself again and has since constantly helped is knowing how to look after myself hesitant to talk about it on the podcast not because I don't want to talk about my own experience but only because I don't want to dictate to other people like how they should handle theirs and basically like I think it's all about awareness of yourself and I would definitely recommend something like you know if you can like a journal or even um, having a really honest dialogue with a loved one or a friend about how you're feeling and then you can you can kind of track your I don't want to use the word symptom so much but mm-hmm. that's what it is yeah um, and you know if, if you are talking to a friend they can be like oh like you've been telling me this stuff for a while now like and then you know and you can be like maybe I do need to reach out mm-hmm. to something a little bit more official yeah so when you were starting out on this, like, rediscovering self-care, looking after yourself... Discovering it for the first time. Oh, wow, like, okay. For sure, yeah. Okay, so, wow, that's even bigger then. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at this whole new idea of self-care mm-hmm. and looking after yourself, what were some of the steps that you personally found helpful? It's important to acknowledge, like, we don't feel the same all the time. And, like, as, like, someone who menstruates as well... Yeah. <laughs> Like, throughout the month, even, you know, if you don't have a menstrual cycle, Mm -hmm. you're going to have times where you do feel confident and have the energy and stuff. Those are the times to, like, prepare for the bad times, to put things in action. So, like, I'll do all my laundry in a couple of fell swoops. I will do the deep clean of the kitchen. I know this doesn't sound necessarily like self-care, but it's a weight off when I do feel rubbish. It Um, is self-care. It's making your environment nice for yourself. Even stuff like making sure there is food in the freezer that will mm-hmm. cook in the oven in 20 minutes just like to jump in on that it's not self-care thing um I always think about it like if you did it for somebody else would you consider that you were caring for them that's a really good show actually so if if yeah. you provided food for your baby it's part it's of caring care. for yeah. them if you did all their laundry for them that's care too that's true I think it's all about the preparation and that's why it's a cycle that's difficult to get into if you're not there a lot of it is eating properly and by properly I don't necessarily mean like a whole food plant-based diet Mm -hmm. literally eating three meals a day yeah um having snacks in your bag so that if your blood sugar dips like you can have it and feel better straight away that can't be overstated three meals a day I was a regular breakfast skipper and I don't eat breakfast oh you've just preached how important it is I had crumpets this morning I'm not going to applaud that because that's a basic. <laughs> Come on now. But, oh gosh. But having breakfast every day genuinely mm-hmm. makes a big impact. And yeah. all through my teens, I never ate breakfast. Mm. Didn't really fancy it. Wasn't for me. And yeah. I just leave it and leave it and leave it. And then would become the grouchiest person right. come about three o'clock in the afternoon when I've not eaten anything. Maybe this is a great point. And obviously, yeah, I'm being a hypocrite because I've just said that I don't eat breakfast. Yeah. But doing things... So self-care feels like, oh, well... It, if I don't feel like it, then don't do it, and that's self-care. Do you know mm. what I mean? But no, like, do it because your body needs it. Yeah. You're looking after yourself. As you say, like, you'd look after someone else. I love yeah. that. That's, I think, a really useful little... Be the grown-up in it. Yeah. Like, so, my vitamins are horrible. 
but I <laughs> have a vitamin every day. Yeah. Because if I was looking after myself, I would say to me, I have, have a vitamin. vitamin. Yeah, like, like be your own little kind of be your own angel. Yeah, well, just yeah. like be your own parent. Like, yeah. look after yourself like you would another child. Yeah, I think yeah, and then linking back to like the kind of like mood disorder stuff. Mm-hmm. And and if you don't have that, maybe it is really easy to say like, how would you look after someone that you love? Yeah, me in like peak mood disorder moment would be like, well, yeah, but I don't love myself, so this is irrelevant. Yeah. So like, how would you look after someone that you don't love? Like, you would ignore their needs and put it to the back of your mind. Yeah. So I think maybe there is like a distinction. Self care for people who love themselves, but I don't love myself. Like that's a moment where you need to be like, this is a bad thought. Mm-hmm. That isn't something that is good for me. And is that the point when self care can't really reach where you're at? I think maybe, I think maybe sometimes I have those thoughts and I can kind of separate them from myself and I can push through it and be like, you might not love yourself right now, but you still need to look after yourself so that mm-hmm. in the future, you know, life can be good. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes it is really hard to fight that. And that's when I can like open up to my partner about how I'm feeling really low. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time to, to reach back out in like a medical sense. Yeah. Communication even just to yourself is key. Yeah. But you can't fix all of your problems by yourself. I wanted to kind of hit back at what you're saying about this idea of like preparing for the bad day. Mm-hmm. And part of that for me in self care, especially as someone who has a partner, is taking my partner aside. This doesn't always come in the way that I'd like it to. Sometimes <laughs> it comes on the bad day, unfortunately. Get it. But a lot of that was taking him to one side and being like, when Charlotte has a bad day, a cup of tea is always a nice offer. Even if I don't look like I want a hug, please just come over and be like, come on, come here, have a hug. Yeah. Like, there's all these things that I have kind of, like you were saying, like, prepared for myself, mm-hmm. even though it's with somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Self-care can also be like saying, I will need this at some point. Okay, so if you've got a big day off coming up, what are the kind of things you can do for self-care? Say it's a day off in like a hectic, stressful week where I'm not feeling my best self, mm-hmm. um, rather than like a normal day off where basically I will just faff around. Yeah. Um, well, you need a bit of self care then. Yeah. I find that when I'm stressed out, I bite my nails a lot. Okay. Um, at the moment, they're a show. They're, but not even in terms of like, oh my god, like my nails are a show. Like, I'm like... currently like clenching her <laughs> fists so I cannot look. So like, they they like crack and bleed. They're really uncomfortable. Ooh. It's not nice. For example, on a day off, I got some like cuticle oil. Mm-hmm. So I like rub all that into my fingernails. I'll give them a trim and a file so that it's um there's less like raggedy bits to, for me to pick at and they're just kind of better prepared. Oh. That's what I I'm, really like that. Yeah. Because like, lots of self-care is like recognising a stressor or a bad thing and trying to kind of yeah. come at it with a positive vibe or something that's going to make you feel better. That's a really direct way that you can take something that, you know, is a symptom or yeah, an effect exactly. of a bad day. I don't really wear like coloured nail varnish anymore, but I've got some like clear stuff that's like hardening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might put that on and it's just like a little shine. So then when I'm back in my stressful situation yeah. and I go to bite my fingernails, the shine will catch my eye and I'll remember, oh, wait, like I looked after myself for that moment. I don't want to ruin it. Oh, that's so um, nice. So it's like, it doesn't always work. Previous Hannah being like, hey, come on. And I think sometimes just doing something for yourself and that is a big part of self-care, of course, but just having a bit of time where you're like, I'm going to set aside to do something nice for me because I deserve something nice. It's yeah. like a lovely mindset and reset for myself often. I think that's lovely, the idea of deserving it. 
Um, and I think a lot of the time for me, in the past at least, it was this like guilty feeling that kept me away from self-care. Right. So like that I didn't deserve it, that I had other stuff that was more important and more pressing. Um, when in reality, like how, I mean, we could quote the famous words of RuPaul here, but like for real, how are you supposed to go out and be a, a useful, like healthy person in the world if you're not making self-care your like number one priority um yeah it's a basis that you can build on so once you're looking after yourself then you can go on and look after other people and make the world a better place and be really good at your job yeah definitely yeah so that's big bad day like I I need some time for myself so even like little acts of just literally looking after yourself yeah I think on a day off as well um some like really active rest as well Mm -hmm. and I don't mean like I love all of the things I'm about to say and I do them all the time um slobbing on the sofa what binge watching Netflix yeah um scrolling Instagram on my phone for three hours at a time (laughs) um even like reading a book Mm -hmm. chilling in a hot bath with a playlist on all that stuff does technically count as rest but since I've been practicing like true rest Mm -hmm. like it's literally sitting there like glassy eyed just like letting your thoughts float around your head like a cloud and five minutes of that and you can be up and ready to go as well I feel really lucky that I've got two great little dogs who love cuddling me Mm -hmm. um and it's really really grounding to be sat on the sofa with a creature on you snoozing or you know awake and chill yeah and you can stroke them and your heart rate comes right down see now i'm very jealous because your dogs are always doing this whereas (laughs) my three cats are really flighty and they're all quite young but the eldest one she has just gotten into sitting on laps having a small pet on you Mm. is such a like restorative moment I do have a couple more things to say about day off self-care. Yeah, so what else um, are you up to? A big one for me is nature. Yes. Um, much to my dismay, I don't have a great big garden. Um, but I do have a little... We live in a Victorian terraced house with a little yard out the back. I've got loads of pots out there. I've got a little, um, a little slowberry tree. I can sit out in my yard... And just, like, notice the little changes that have happened in my plants. Mm-hmm. Um, see the odd bee. Yeah. Um, the odd bird. I wish we got, like, songbirds or whatever. It's all seagulls and pigeons round by me. Oh, it's still something nice about, like, just watching things coming and going. Definitely. Though. I mean, and a lovely little, like, the song of a thrush in the summer air is, like, way more chill than a seagull, like, screaming as it... That, like, scouse laugh that seagulls have. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, if you don't have your own, like, private outside space, Mm -hmm. even, I mean, I like to hope that within 15 minutes walk of where you are, there will be a little green space. And you can kind of cultivate that in houseplants too. Houseplants are a great one. I've noticed since having loads of houseplants around my desk, and I think I read somewhere, like, having two plants in your eyeline just just boosts your mood. A really big one I wanted to ask you about. What barriers to self-care have you experienced since getting back into self-care? Cool. Um, I mean, other than, like, mood disorders, Mm -hmm. making my inner critic, like, super-duper-duper loud every now and then, my barriers are all, like, very practical things that are difficult to change, like money. Yeah. Not having a lot of it. The most I've ever had in my life at the moment, um, because I work Mm full-time, 
Um, I'm still just above minimum wage. Um, and, and then what does that kind of sorry? What does mm, that stop you doing? If you had a bit more money, what self care would you be doing? If I had a bit more money, then when there's no food in the house, we could order takeout without a thought. Yeah. Um, if there was a bit more money, we could on a day off. Maybe we'd have a car. Yeah. So a day off could be oh let's like drive out to North Wales and spend the day on a beach with a picnic mm-hmm. that is us spending £30 in an Alster on the way. Yeah, yeah. If we had a car, I wouldn't have to get the bus. And mm-hmm. I do get, like, really anxious around strangers, in particular men. And the bus is not a nice place for someone who feels that way. Yeah. Also, having your own little space to listen to stuff of your own, mm-hmm. having to deal with other people. I kind of see a car as, like, an extended handbag as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean... I drove Hannah here today, and our our shared car, which is my yeah. partner's car that I drive, is just full of just like walking boots, anoraks, right. like all kinds of stuff. That so like say say we both have days off, right? Mm-hmm. And we want to go out for a walk in the countryside. Yeah, you guys could like wake up at like ten, mm-hmm. have a bite to eat get in the car and go because all your stuff's already in the car. Yeah, um, you can drive to an Alster on the way. Mm-hmm. And then just go wherever you want. Look it up on Google as you're going. For us, we would have to wake up early, pack all the bag, mm-hmm. um, not really be able to go to Asda on the way. So we'd have to like have that all ready beforehand. So like it's kind of a time poor situation. In lockdown, I had an now infamous in our relationship mm-hmm. bad day where <laughs> I was saying to Ian, no, but do you want a roast? <laughs> to the point where he was like, um, let's go for a walk. Right. So we just got in the car, it was raining, mm-hmm. we got out of the car, at the prom, went for a stomp. Yeah. And I was so much better afterwards, mm-hmm. but if you don't have that, just get in the car, let's go, put your walking boots on, and walk until you stop shouting, do you want to roast at me? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I do really get that. What kind of self-care can you do for free? And yeah. that actually does have a benefit for you personally. I think the one that I'm learning about right now, mm-hmm. like over the past couple of weeks, is the like spending time with friends as self care. In particular, is like telling your friends why you love them and like yeah. why you think they're brilliant. And that in itself makes me feel boss because I know that I've made you feel good. Mm-hmm. And I've learned recently that, I mean, between, between us, we've done it. Yeah. And between another friend of mine, it's not just like I give you a compliment and I know that I'm going to get one back, but like it just it promotes this kind of atmosphere of like honesty and appreciation, um, and I think as well it takes away a lot of the anxiety of not knowing exactly what your friend thinks about you, and then your brain mm. kind of fills in the gaps and like a worry about wanting to talk about slightly tricky issues means that you just assume what the other person thinks and you always assume the worst. Yeah. Like the other week we were having a chat. And you came out with all this stuff about how I'm, like, really, like, forthright and this, like, rebel, Mm -hmm. um, which just made me feel so cool. Because you are really cool. (laughs) But you looked at me with this, like, look of disbelief. Well, that's just not my image of myself. Who does she actually think she is if she's so unable to see all of these amazing things about her that are so clear to everyone else? It did make me think that we're all a bit lacking in saying those maybe a bit cringe things to each right. other. 
Um, and this is something I found in my relationship too. So we did that languages of love yeah. thing. Yeah. And my number one one, obviously, was words of affirmation. Right. And I just you need you obviously. to tell me nice things about me. Like, yeah. well, yeah, I say obviously, but um, it's it's clear in Maybe all of the mini rows that me and my partner have had along the way that that's obvious now. So his is like acts of service. Yeah, that was mine too. Oh, but I don't really put much sway in that. So he thought he was telling me he loved me by doing lovely things for yeah. me. And I was like, yes, but you haven't told me today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I totally get that. Um, so I think that's definitely something we can all do a bit more in our friendships. That's like a lovely boost to self-care yeah. that isn't even about yourself. It's saying something lovely about yeah. someone else. But yeah, the comments on someone's like personality and actions, mm-hmm. those are the compliments that make us that give us the warm fuzzies. I think as well, I like a retrospective because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really bad at realising what I think at the time. Same. And then going back to a friend and saying, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I know this was months ago, but you said this thing or you did this thing or you were there for me during this time. And I really appreciated it. And I, I really am so thankful that you did that. And yeah. like, it's lovely and cathartic too. Like we're saying it's just for them, but it's so nice for yourself to acknowledge how brilliant other people are in your life. And it does yeah. make you reflect more on how many brilliant friends you have, how many brilliant people you have. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a step before that, isn't there, in self-care, mm. in actually, I'm really bad for this, in reaching out to people. Yes. So I am a notorious, terrible WhatsApper. Mm-hmm. I don't have social media. And I just don't message people enough. Same. I don't get in touch. I don't set things up. I'm not the person who does that. Um, and I think it's hard to kind of get to that point. So this is something that I've been actively trying to work through because absolutely what you just said resonated with me. Mm-hmm. I've, there's friendships I've been gently rekindling, including us. Yeah, um, I mean, I think that's more of a serious rekindle than yeah, a gentle yeah. rekindle. Um, but just kind of, you know, I bet everyone's got people in their lives, or people who aren't in their lives anymore, rather, that they used to be really tight with. And they think about quite often, you know, mm-hmm. and it always comes with this like pang of sadness yeah. because you feel like you've cut each other out of your lives by lack of communication. And even as well, you go to message them and it, the last message is off them that you haven't replied to. Yeah, that's me. Every Everybody time. does that. Like, yeah. well, <laughs> everyone that I speak to does that. Yeah. Um, I've got a friend. I'm sure loads of people have got friends like this as well. All the messages we send to each other are like, Sorry it took so long to get back to you. Mm-hmm. Here's something that's going on with my life. And a question about yours. Love what? you anyway. And Self-care then... can be accepting that. Like, I think we all need to accept that as I'm, a normal. I'm, I am really big at the moment on forgiving myself. Good one. On being like, oh, you're terrible at this. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I forgive you. Yeah. Just go and tell the people. Yeah. So I have been on a bit of a quest now. Mm. When people like invite me to a thing, I say to them, Thank you so much for setting this up. I know I'm really bad at setting things yeah. up too. I love spending time with you. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really sorry I'm working on it. Yeah. And people are like, oh, no, no, it's fine, of course. Like, right. we love hanging out with you. That's why we message you. And so I, I've had to kind of forgive myself for it and just be like, own it. Yeah. Tell people you're bad at it. And then you don't have that thing when you're feeling lonely of being like, nobody likes me because I never invite them to do right. things. They know that I'm aware of it. Going back to the kind of mental health issues side of it as well. Yes. And not to, like, if you've never struggled with 
any kind of mental health stuff, this applies to you as well. Mm-hmm. But being honest with your friends and loved ones, not all of them, not all the time, yeah. but having a specific few people who you have kind of shared the kind of the lows and the dark bits with <laughs> means that you've got someone, you know, they're just a step closer to you yeah. when you do need to reach out. Um, so, like, yeah, I've got... Well, I've got Ash, obviously, who I live with, and like we basically live in each other's pockets, like emotions-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have another friend now who, when I do feel a bit rubbish, I message her and I make a point to do it because we've kind of made this like agreement because we both have kind of similar brain stuff that goes on, mm-hmm. and what what we say when we feel rubbish really resonates with the other person, and they can be like, right, well, your brain's wrong uh, yeah. because you're brilliant because of X, Y, Z, and. You know, maybe do you need me to push you to do this or whatever? Um, that's lovely, and that's boss. That's um, self care setting that up in itself, like setting yeah. up a support system for yourself. Definitely, and I think having the vocabulary to talk about it is really like a difficult step as well. Yeah, I found this like I really uh, resonated when you said like hearing someone else say something you feel or maybe thought was like a failure. Mm. So I am obsessed with the How to Fail podcast at the moment. I still haven't listened to it. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. And Mm. I love listening to people tell me their failures or what they perceive as failures because it just normalises everything. Yeah. Like I listen to one because I'm a a horrendous hypochondriac, as you know, (laughs) and think I'm dying of all kinds of crazy diseases on any given day. And I listened to one with Daisy Edgar-Jones, a wonderful actress, and she described me perfectly. And there was something so affirming in finding someone else who does the same, maybe not great thing that you do, and being like, and that's okay. No problem. And then you can, like, address it. Mm -hmm. um, Or not. Well, like, acknowledge it, I think, is really important. And then either just, like, sit on it and know that that's a part of you. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you need to, like, I mean, I think a big thing is, like, having a name for a feeling that you're having. Yeah. And then, and you know, labels aren't important and all this stuff. But you can Google a word. And yeah. then maybe a bunch of people on Reddit have been like, oh, I feel like this. Um, so you're not alone. Seeking out honest narratives, yeah. I think, has been big for me. Mm-hmm. Like, in the books that I read, in the films and TV shows that I watch, and the podcasts that I listen to, not always going for the high-gloss stories. Yeah. Like, seeking out really honest portrayals mm-hmm. of life. Yeah, flawed characters. Yeah, 100% mm-hmm. has been really helpful for me to be like, okay, so I don't need to aim for this. Mm-hmm. And a big part of self-care is setting yourself a realistic goal for yourself. Yeah. Just being like, you're okay to be a flawed individual. That's fine too. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, so that kind of brings me on to a point about other people. I mean, self-care, we think of just things we can do for ourselves, but how do other people factor into your self-care routine or practices? Yeah, um, I think as an introvert, mm-hmm. um, I always used to think that that was something that was like wrong with me. Same. Um, that I wasn't a properly functioning person because I didn't just like want to be around people all the time and like it just I find it exhausting um like even after spending the day with you Mm -hmm. which um I'm really like enjoying and we you know get on really well and can be really honest with each other like I'm gonna go home and need to have like a serious chill out and I'm like I'm really glad that I don't have evening plans 
But figuring out that I was an introvert and doing a bit of reading made me realise that that is normal too. Right. Like, lots of people need to go off and re-energise by themselves, always there, like, I always say that me and Ian are kind of like, he's an extension of myself Mm -hmm. in that. I don't feel the need to re-energise after time with him. But pretty much everyone else Mm -hmm. I do, and that's normal, that's, you know, in all the literature on being an introvert, that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. But then in the same breath as I don't want to be going to a rave every night, (laughs) I still need social contact and I still need that. And I think being an introvert made it really hard for me to figure out how to get that in a way that I enjoyed. Um, So I just like shut myself off, I think, a lot of the time. Um, And not even shut myself off, just like kept myself home, didn't reach out, didn't make plans. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you end up feeling a bit rubbish about yourself because of that. So um, yeah, in more recent times, I've made more of an effort to reach out to friends and to spend time with them. Just just a coffee, just an afternoon, you know. Spending time with friends and being really, like, open and telling them how much you love and admire them and the things that you like about them and respect them and all these things. It, it rewards you, you know? Like, you totally feel... it. The, the light, like, bounce off the mirror and you're like, oh, I see that person like that and... I have the capacity for these wonderful judgment judgments on people, you know? Um, so, yeah, my advice to old me mm. is go out and be nice to people, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And you laugh because it seems like a basic thing, perhaps, but it can have such a wonderful effect on your own mood, being a nice person in someone else's day. Yeah, and I think it's something that I've definitely, like, dug my heels in on. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know... I went to a very religious secondary school, which is not entirely about peace and love, but, like, it is basically be a nice person. Yeah. And then the kind of, you know, how would I categorise it? Like, the kind of hippy-dippy, like, mindfulness, positive thinking kind of movements that happen as well. I feel like that seems really shallow and stupid. So when people say, like, have a positive mental attitude and um, treat others with love and they will treat you with love like that's really hard to take in as someone who works with customers and the general public (laughs) um but in recent months I have been absorbing it a little bit more and yeah I just it's not even like I feel good because I've treated people well I just literally feel good for being good yeah it's not even about the other person at all checking the way that you look at other people as well one of my favorite things to do sometimes is um, people watching, right? There's a great oh, yeah. um, Pret-a-Manger in City Centre Liverpool where they're upstairs. It's got this huge window so you can just sit there and like watch people coming out of John Lewis and oh, it's just amazing. And there's like ping-pong tables there as well which I love watching. <laughs> so I read this thing um, which I've just been flicking through. I haven't started reading it yet because I've got two other books on the go right now but they've got a lot of like exercises in it Um and one of them they call the airport game. Mm. And what you do is, it's a people watching game, right? Mm-hmm. So normally when I people watch, I'm like, oh my God, look at those trousers, like how embarrassing, <laughs> or whatever. Um, what you're to do is you sit there and every stranger that you see, you have to think of a reason why they're lovable. Oh, <laughs> what a lovely game, right? Um, so, oh, he's got a really like confident walk or like 
those sunglasses are really cool or like it could be anything yeah and just to get into the practice of by default seeing the good in people yeah I think it's something that I definitely want to start practicing because I'm, I'm definitely someone who focuses on the negative by default I've kind of come to that in that I work in a school with children mm. and a lot of working in a school with children is when a child behaves badly is separating that out from who the child is right. and trying to be like, okay, so am I going to be like, you're a bad person mm. or you're still a great person and we still already like you and we still really value you but this bit of behavior wasn't so great mm-hmm. and that's really helped me to be like behavior not person right which is kind of hard to remember because there's lots of people who are like oh you acted really badly and therefore you are a bad person that yeah. don't need you in my life or I don't want to hear from you but having to be like in work sometimes you have to focus on the really great things about a child when they're having a particularly bad phase or being particularly annoying (laughs) you have to remind yourself there's so many great things and also it's important to have someone rooting for your best self too I wanted to talk to you really about self-care and hobbies so one of the best ways for me to practice self-care is reading do you have any similar hobbies or activities that you turn to when you need a little bit of self-care in your life thanking you for giving me an excuse to talk about knitting on the podcast um, <laughs> I'm sure this will not be the last time that knitting comes up yeah um but I get like kind of emotional when I think about knitting and I think I would I, I can't understand how someone couldn't have any hobbies knowing how much I need and love knitting mm-hmm. um it's something for every mood and moment so like I've got loads of different projects on the go at once obviously because that's how I live my life. Yeah. I've also got, like, two or three books on the go at once. Um, how can you? Because different moods call for different <laughs> things, you know? I've got one I read on the bus. Anyway. So, yeah, I've got garter stitch ones that I can just sit and watch TV and just do it mindlessly. Mm-hmm. I've got more complicated ones that maybe I would have, like, a podcast or an audiobook on. Yeah. And I would take, like, a moment and concentrate on the stitches on my row. And then when you finish something like that, it's this huge sense of achievement. But yeah, I think I, th- I would advise everyone to go out and find something that they could use to create things. Mm. Um, and I say that to you as well. Like, like reading books is a beautiful hobby and you're amazing wow. at it. It's, is it about the amazing? I need to really quickly do a disclaimer mm. for everyone out there to yeah. know how incredible you are at knitting too. <laughs> like, for me, it's like the least relaxing things. I'm terrible at it. But when Hannah and I live together... I remember coming home one day, and I'd been out for about an hour, and she had managed to come up with, slash half guess slash half internet research, this stitch that made this incredible skull blanket with, like, embedded oh, skulls gosh, every so often throughout the blanket. And it was beautiful and incredible, and probably, I mean, I say this not lightly because my mum and my nan are both incredible knitters, yeah. but Hannah is the best knitter I have ever known. That's and so is, cute. like ridiculously talented like I we met up a couple of weeks ago and Hannah had created a motorcycle jacket out of knitting and it had all the ribs that you would expect like unbelievable unbelievable Um, that's lovely to hear thank you so much um both of those things that you mentioned I did use knitting patterns for but I also write my own patterns you just have the mind for it though you can just figure it out whereas you've like 
I think it's lots about people practice. have tried to teach me. You have to find a hobby you genuinely love. You connect love. with, exactly. Not everyone's going to go out and be like, oh, knitting's dead chill. But mm-hmm. if you find a lovely affinity for something, yeah. like, I know you're saying it's because it's creative. Mine, like, for reading is, it's not necessarily it's being... imaginative. Well, it's not being good at anything. Yeah. Um, I so often am valuing myself and rating myself mm-hmm. in lots of the things I do and yeah. be like, oh, you know, I'm feeling at this, I'm not very good at this, or I'm doing this quite well. And reading for me is completely outside of that. It's just to be entertained, to relax, oh, to I enjoy. Um, but just like the level of like de-stress I feel after just mm. starting to have a little read. Yeah. And it's my own little world. It's time for me. Just I just love it. Fast. episode thank you so much for joining us and if you've got anything that you want to chip in send it our way you can find us on instagram at pocketful of why you can contact us on pocketful of why podcast at gmail.com and show notes and transcripts are available on our blog pocketful of why.wordpress.com please like and subscribe we'll speak soon next time we're talking about periods from anarchy to this very minute we've been charlotte and hannah and this has been pocketful of why podcast <laughs>